Glamour Fearless. Divey's late night tribute to Luther Vandross. Diabetes Health Outreach at Diva Bedic. 
I'll be talking about that later on in this podcast. Tonight's lineup of all-star guests include Steve Kroon, Tawatha Adjies, uh, Pat Lacey, Savita Williams, Luther Historian, Leon Petrosin, Dino Johnson, Patricia Addy Gentle, Smooth, Deginal Boykin, Sabrina and Grayland, and of course you. You could call in again at 347-215-8551. Please take a minute now and donate to Divabetic at divabetic.org. Help us make diabetes outreach continue to dazzle. Your tax-deductible contributions are greatly appreciated. You know, this album brings back so many memories for me, and uh, I was there when he was recording it. We're going to play a song now by the longtime producer of Naughty by Nature and DJ KG. It's entitled Bring Your Heart to Mine, courtesy of Sony Music. Girl, I know sometimes that you feel like the sun don't shine, but if you look you realize you should be Welcome back to Diabetes Late Night and my special tribute to Luther Vandross. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedek, and I'm Luther's former personal assistant. Straight ahead, I'll be talking to one of Luther's fabulous vocalists who appeared on every Luther album except one. Can you guess which one? Well, we were thinking that over. You should know. Straight ahead, I'm talking to about Luther's diabetes health in his later years of his life. Please welcome my first guest, Patricia Addy Gentle, to the show. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Max. How are you? Good. Thanks for joining me. You know, um, you join me, you're not only joining me tonight, but you join me every month on our free diabetes podcasts that are available at iTunes, which I mentioned earlier. And um, I want the Luther fans to know that you're a diabetes educator, certified diabetes educator. So can you tell them exactly what that is before we start talking a little bit more about Luther's health at the time of the release of on J Records? A certified diabetes educator is um, a person who has done advanced studies on diabetes, its symptoms, and how to treat it, and just overall how to hopefully how to motivate someone towards behavior changes so that they are able to self-manage the conditions uh, that they've been diagnosed with. So um, a certified diabetes can be a physician or it, uh, we can come from a discipline such as nursing like myself, registered dietitians, social workers, exercise physiologists. We have pharmacists. A whole conglomerate of healthcare uh, people are able and eligible to take the test which certifies them in that area, the field of diabetes. And I think Luther would say it's great to have you as a member of an entourage. <laughs> For anyone with diabetes, they should form a diabetes entourage, and certainly a certified diabetes educator should be someone they should be in touch with to talk about like some of the more specific issues uh, in their lives, whether they're living with type 1 or type 2 diabetes or even gestational diabetes. You really are there to kind of help them navigate so- through some of the tough times. 
Absolutely. We consider ourselves to be coaches, motivators. We try and inspire, try and keep someone up on their game and just to provide um, day-by-day coaching if necessary because diabetes is one of those kinds of things that you live with. And so it doesn't go away. You have it every day, each and every day. If you go on vacation, it goes with you. So it's not something you can pack up and, and put to the side and totally forget. Well, I like that comment because, like, at the time of this recording, Luther had successfully kept the weight off for over three years, which I think was about the longest he ever stayed at a very, one of the lower sides of his weight, which is probably right around 200 or a little bit below. And, um, you know, what happened after this is he began to gain the weight back. And I think... Uh, from just going back in my own memories, but now doing advocacy in the diabetes community for over 12 years, I think it's fairly common for someone who gains the weight back to feel slightly defeated or depressed about what happened, and therefore they might push their diabetes management aside, which could lead to problems. Have you ever seen that happening in your own patient community in Atlanta? Unfortunately, I do. Uh, Many times people are able to lose weight, and once they see that weight creeping back, it is, uh, in their minds, a sign of defeat or what do I do now? Uh, I'm, I'm tired. I'm burned out of counting carbs. I'm burned out of the day-to-day routines of exercise. It is a lifestyle change, and in order to manage it, those behaviors cannot go away. So when you do find someone who is gaining weight, Um, as a coach, as a motivator, we try and let them know from the beginning once we encounter a person, one of the things, especially in type 2 diabetes, there is increased glucose, I mean, increased insulin production. And with hyperinsulinemia, weight gain is one of the side effects. And so when you have a lot of insulin on board, you do retain fluid, you do have uh, that tendency to gain weight, and it is an uphill battle sometimes. So you do find people who become, I I don't want to say bored, but just burned out with all of the different uh, things that have to occur on a day-to-day basis. Well, the other thing here that I want to mention is like, okay, so Luther did have a history of yo-yo dieting, and he was he was living with type 2 diabetes, so he's probably mainly managing it with oral medications. If you stop managing your diabetes for any considerable amount of time, I would assume, again, I'm not a medical expert. Yeah, Patricia is our certified diabetes educator who's on the call. But, Patricia, I would assume that maybe things get a little bit more severe and you might have to consider using insulin therapy. That in itself would be defeating because now suddenly your diabetes seems much more serious. Have you seen that happening? Because I think I'm just trying to backtrack what was kind of going on a little bit around the time of this album. And I know some of the fans are still curious, why did he have the stroke? How did it happen? So I just wanted to give them a little bit more background with you on, you know, what his diabetes health would have been like at this around the time of the millennium. Yes, Max, uh, you hit on a key point. A lot of people feel that, and, and this is a myth that, that circulates amongst people with diabetes and those who are affected with the loved ones who have diabetes. They feel that once insulin is introduced that it really means that you're doing bad or you haven't done something right. 
and your diabetes is more serious than someone who's taken oral medication. And so, like I said, from the onset of the diagnosis, we try to make it clear in a person's mind that they are producing insulin. Their pancreas is taxed to produce insulin. This is type 2 diabetes where insulin is being produced. So their pancreas is overcompensating and trying to give them more insulin than what they really is required, and but they're not able to use it. So it's a mechanism of usage of the insulin where uh, the problem is. But with this extra insulin on board, sometimes the pancreas will burn itself out, and slowly the beta cells of the pancreas deteriorate. And so you do find insulin necessary in order to treat people with type 2 diabetes. So I try to tell my clients that if they live long enough, and hopefully they will at some point, they may find themselves requiring um, insulin injections regardless to how well they have tried to stay on track. And But people do look at that as defeat. And when they hear insulin, sometimes it's just something scary in their mind or they will correlate that to someone they know who probably did not start insulin early enough and it was at a point of deterioration that insulin was first introduced but we try to give that mindset that insulin should be introduced earlier than what most people are willing to accept it so when they hear the doctor say insulin sometimes it's real scary I bet, but a stroke is even scarier. And, you know, I mean, I put off doing this podcast because I had a lot of regret still around Luther's stroke. And now, you know, because I've done work in diabetes advocacy and, and met incredible educators such as yourself, I've realized how your ha- family history of diabetes could play into it. And I also know for someone like Luther Vandross, who died at um, so young in his early 50s, that a lot of African-American males like Luther are at a higher risk of diabetes. I mean, not only of diabetes, but also of stroke, far more than Caucasians. And I'm just curious, like, let's just talk a little bit about some of the symptoms uh, regarding stroke before we wrap up, because I know you're going to come back a little bit later in the show and help us raise some more diabetes IQ with Luther fans. But tell us first a little bit more about um, you know, the risk factors for African-American men like Luther as well as their loved ones and also some of the stroke, uh, symptoms of stroke. Um, Yes, the risk is increased for African-Americans, and we have to look at culture and lifestyles and other implications as well. So not to put everybody in the same category, but it is uh, common that a lot of African Americans are more sedentary. Not everybody, but there is not the uh, exercise component or going biking, hiking, and doing things that keep you active. And um, But sedentary living is one of the components. Sometimes eating uh, high-fat foods and fried foods or the kinds of things that are increased in salt, um, processed foods, but those symptoms are blurred vision, sometimes, well, visual disturbances. Sometimes people actually lose vision, or it may be transient, where they do complain that they aren't able to see 
from time to time, right before a stroke. But they do have visual changes. A person who's having a stroke will most of the time have slurred speech, garbled speech, the kind of thing that you don't understand. They're incoherent, uh, can't get a sentence out, and not making much sense of what they are trying to say. Um, some of the other symptoms may be weakness on one side where um, the arm or the leg is just not functioning, not working the way that it, it should be. They can't support themselves by uh, moving around. Sometimes you will find a person who has a severe headache or, you know, even loss of consciousness and seizures once the stroke is actually evolving. You know, that that happened to Luther. He, uh, several, his good friend Fonzie was saying that he complained about having a headache for several days before that stroke. The good news is that African Americans can improve the odds of preventing and beating these diseases by understanding the risk and taking simple steps to address them by talking to their doctor as well as talking to their healthcare entourage, someone like Patricia. And also, Patricia, you're going to be back later on the show, like I said, to talk more about Diabetes IQ with some of the Luther fans. And, Max, I would like to interject that sometimes, especially with men, medication, uh, even when they have been diagnosed with high blood pressure, uh, which is one of the greatest risk factors for strokes, they will not take medication as it is prescribed because one of the side effects of taking diabetes, I mean not diabetes, hypertensive agents, one of the side effects is impotence. And so you have a lot of guys who will stop taking the medicine, will not have a conversation with the physician that, you know, I've noticed that this is what's happening because there are alternatives and other medicines that can be prescribed as well. No, good advice, and thank you for sharing that. And we'll definitely be covering that on some of our upcoming Diabetes Late Night podcasts. All right, well, the next song we're going to play is, you know, Luther was known for his cover songs, and one of the most popular ones is off of this album. It was first made popular by Chuck Jackson in 1962. Burt Backrack wrote this song with Bob Hillard. It's been covered by a multitude of artists, including Elvis, which is kind of shocking. However, this version of Any Day Now received a nomination for Best Traditional R&B Vocal Performance at the 2003 Grammy Awards. Here's Luther's version, version, excuse me, I'm so excited to play it, of Any Day Now, courtesy of Sony Music. Any day now When your restless eyes Meet someone Welcome back to Divey's Late Night and our special tribute to Luther Vandross. I'm your host, Mr. Divabetic, and Luther's formal personal assistant. From the very beginning of Luther's career, starting back with the debut album Never Too Much, critics and fans alike fell in love with Luther's background vocalist. 
my next guest is one of those talented singers who performed on every single Luther Vandross album except for one. We posted it on Facebook. I wonder if anyone got this question right. Please welcome to the show the amazing Tawatha Aji. Hello, Tawatha. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great. It's so great to hear your voice. I'm so glad to have you on this tribute podcast tonight. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, you have such an amazing career, and uh, if people check out your website, which I hope they do, they're going to learn so much about you. But uh, mm-hmm. I want to—I want—I'm I, dying to know. First, I have to ask you about Sissy Houston because I read on your website, or I read in one of the bios, that she actually—you um, were in grade school when you met her, and she was helping you with. Um, I-, I was in singing. grade school. I was in grade school. Sissy gave me my first voice lesson. Um, I I was in, uh, I believe, the eighth grade, and I was going to audition for uh, the Ted Mack Amateur Hour (laughs) way back in the day. And um, the principal of my high school knew the lady down the street who sang, and it was Sissy. I went to her door, knocked on the door, said, oh, Miss Miss Francis said that I should come, and, and it was Sissy. I had no idea who she was, but it, what a joy it was to meet her years later when I started working with Luther. And it's like, oh, my God, sissy, it's me, you know? So, um, well, Miss Houston, of course. But, um, you know, it was a small world, but sissy gave me my very, very first voice lesson. I love it. All right, so now take us back, because you, your career paralleled Luther's in so many different ways, and I, I mm-hmm. feel... Like when I'm researching this, the the late 70s, early 80s was just an extraordinary time in both of your lives and your personal and professional. You were both okay. singing jingles. You were working with Roxy Music, I think. How did how did you meet Luther? How did this all come about? I I met Luther um, because I was working uh, doing studio work with uh, James M. Tumay and Reggie Lucas, and I was their contractor. So I hired singers to sing on the the projects that they were producing. And I wanted to use Luther because at that time he was, there was um, this voice that I kept hearing on television and it was for, um, I think it was Juicy Fruit Gum, as a matter of fact. Um, Yeah, it it was Juicy Fruit Gum. And he did this, uh, this great commercial. It's like, I want to get this guy. I want to get this guy who's singing on this commercial. And I, I, called the union and I got in touch with his manager and I finally got in touch with him and he came to sing on a project that um, I contracted. So that's how I met Luther. And then very, very simple. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the history goes that he's, he self-financed two of the songs on never too much, like the demo. Did you work on those demo songs? I sang on the, I sang on the demo. I, absolutely. As a matter of fact, it was Philip Ballou the late Philip Ballou and myself, and we sang on um, uh, "Never Too Much" and "Don't You Know That." And those were so. Two you guys just came in as a favor to help him do it, or did he? I mean, I'm yeah. curious, like, how this happened because I know he self-financed a lot of this, but I assumed that certain people did favors for him. Oh no, absolutely! It was like you know, you know, I got this song, you know, come, come and help me, you know, do background on this song. It's like no problem. I mean, who? No one knew that it would become what it became, but it was just it was just so much fun working with Luther and Philip. Oh my God, Philip Blue was such a joy to sing with. So it was a it was it was just a fun thing to do. And who knew that it would turn into like 
be never too much. <laughs> you know, no, yeah. no one knew what so we then, were So then know. walk us through that from that moment of doing the um, working on the self-finance de- uh, uh, demo to how mm-hmm. it evolved from the in the studio because so many of the fans are so – hypnotized by the background vocals on all of Luther's albums. I'm just curious how oh, yeah. that evolved since you were there from the very beginning. Well, you know, um, like I said, um, I, I knew Luther from from working in the studio, um, and so he asked me, you know, to do a favor and, and, and do this song for him. So it's like, no problem. Who's going to be there? Philip, who I called Tiptoe, because when he sang, he would, when he hit high notes, he would get on his toes to sing. So, so it was Philip Ballou and myself. <laughs> you know, a little trivia. I mean, nobody knows that. Um, uh, uh, and so um, we did the Never Too Much and Don't You Know That. And it's like, you know, he's doing a demo. I mean, everybody did demos for record companies. So I didn't know it was going to become, you know, as, as huge as it, as, it, as it became. But, you know, that's, that's what we did. We all, we all helped each other out. So, you know. I would call Luther for a session. He'd call me for a session. I mean, it's just, that's just the way it was. But And it just turned out that everybody was, like, on the right track. And, and um, everybody's work was becoming successful. And so, you know, you, you want to keep that going. You keep that memento going and keep the same group of people going. And it's like, you know, it's like, you know, you do this for me, I do this for you, and, and we'll all this. You know, it's good music. We were making good music. It wasn't about trying to get a hit or anything. It was just good music and the fun and fellowship of singing with people that you like. But then it started getting a little bit more, I mean, it really started to evolve. And, I, and I'm and i assuming it was a little bit intimidating at some point. I know Lisa Fisher commented on your website how she was intimidated to be sitting next to you. So what was it like to sit next to Sissy Houston? Because the three of you are sopranos so were you kind of how how would you be around the microphone i mean everyone wants to know visually if you could just kind of describe this whole experience because i know on this album that we're playing tonight you're probably all on say it now you probably were on any day now and um yeah i'm just curious yeah. how this what it was like well first of all I, i'm 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 singing with royalty sissy is 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 background singer singers uh is every background singer's godmother as far as I'm concerned because because of what she the path that she um led for us. I mean if it wasn't for Sissy, none of us would be here. You know, it's good people like Sissy. Mm-hmm. So um so Sissy was royalty. So and of course uh Sissy and I both lived in in the uh, New Jersey area. So I mean I knew about her and her gospel background. Because, you know, I, I played for my church choir when I was a little girl. And, and so, you know, that's, that's another a circuit. But Sissy was also famous because she sang with Elvis Presley. And, you know, she, and then there was the Dionne Warwick factor going on with all of this. And so, you know, Sissy was the most famous person I ever knew. You know, and so I'm sitting there, and it's like, do you remember me? <laughs> you know, I, I I came to your house back in you know back in the day, and um and I was going to audition. She said, yeah, I remember you. And so, uh, of course, you know, you got to do your best because this Sissy Houston is there. So it's like, oh my God, oh my, oh my God, please don't let me mess up today. <laughs> you know, so um, but you know, everything turned out fine. I I did a good job, and and you and she. And not only was it uh, Sissy, but it, people liked Sissy, but then there was also 
Gwen Guthrie and the, and the whole Roberta Flack thing. I mean, it's so many things coincided with each other. Every circle kept going into another circle, you know, as far as the singers were concerned. And so I was the basically the new kid on the block. And so I had to, like, prove my mettle, you know. So, you know, you had to be on your toes, and, you know, you had to do your best. And obviously I passed because um, – you know, I kept working with Luther, and and Luther kept calling uh, Sissy, and and then the group got bigger, and bigger and bigger, uh, and um and it was just, you know, I I can't even explain it because it was like this is what was supposed to be. Not that anybody was looking for anything, but it just it just happened. It just happened. So Sissy no, was there. No, it's such a magical time in music. I'm curious though, just to be a little bit more specific. So let's say. He had an album coming out. You got the call that he'd have an album. Would you right. would you get any information before you went into the studio, or would you kind of show up and he play? How, would he play you the track or show you the words? Oh no, no. Okay, of... he he would call. He would call for the session, or, or Fonzie would call, but Fonzie would call for the session, and um and and we'd be there singing. No, there was no no advance. No, you learned everything when you got to the studio. Um, there was nothing. Uh, he, he, there was no need to send anything out because if you couldn't get it when you got to the studio, you didn't need to be there. You, there was no need of getting anything in advance because if that was the case, then that, that takes would half he the make fun the out parts of it. Up? Would he make the parts up right there, or would he have it pretty oh, much yeah. mapped out? I'm, I'm sure that he. I'm sure that that Lu, knowing Luther, he 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 had an idea of what he wanted, and um and so he would um. He 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 had that part prepared, but we came in. It's like, okay, what what you got? What, what are we singing today? You know, and and he would give us the parts and we'd sing them. And he knew exactly what he wanted. He knew how each tone he wanted. Uh, he know he knew what he want from every person. What he wanted from every person. And he knew what to expect from every person. And we gave him what he wanted. And you know, and and he knew when it was right. He said, oh, that's it. That's what I wanted. And 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 that's how it went. I mean, even. To the last session, it was the same way. There was he always prepared. He was always prepared, and so you know, there are levels of um, when when you're singing with someone who um, who has high expectations, and your expectations become higher. Also, so you know, you come in with your A game. So you know, Luther asked you to sing this. This is what you sing, you know, and or or, or he would try it. You know, if Brenda, if, who would it be? Would it be Brenda? It would be. Sissy, it would be me, um, and it's like you know we would interchange the parts and we see what worked best and how he wanted what he wanted to hear, and that's what we did. I love it. I mean, I, I would have been completely intimidated if you were on a stool. Oh no! <laughs> I would be no, intimidated no. by any of them, but uh, Tawasa, I remember when you came in because outside of doing the albums, you also stopped. You you kind of jumped into some of the live shows when. Uh, singers like uh, Cindy Mizell, I think, was on maternity leave, and I'll never forget, you came into Madison Square Garden and you blew the roof off when you sang <laughs> your hit song for M2 May, uh, Juicy Fruit. Right. So, I mean, Juicy how Fruit, did this yeah. work? Because you were having this very significant, successful career and kind of going back and doing background. I mean, how did that all come about? It seems like it must have been a crazy moment when you were doing jingles, backgrounds, and leads, and then uh, you right. know, going out on the road. How did, how did you manage that? Well, you know, uh, initially, um, okay, I, um, I worked with M. Tume first, and then I met Luther, 
then I was contracting and and uh and Luther's record did well and I went out on the road with Luther for the first few tours, his first few tours, I, I sang with Luther. And then um by this time it's like nineteen eighty one, two or three, I, I can't remember, it's so far back. Um and I was out with um Roxy music with Fonzie and and Michelle Fonzie Thornton and, and Michelle Cobb and um, uh, I, I I did a couple of tours with Luther I did I maybe did Luther's first three tours after Never Too Much and then Juicy Fruit came out so you know you just worked where you, I went where the work was I worked with Luther when he needed me and but of course my primary was. Uh, with with him Tume and when Juicy Fruit came out, I had to go out on the road with him Tume because the record just jumped just jumped off. And and all right, um, well, wait, wait, I want to interrupt you because there's a very funny video of you on YouTube where you're James M Tume and you are talking about Juicy Fruit and you're saying how you hated it so much because you had to sing it dry. Like, oh my tell everyone God. what that's about. Okay, singing dry means having no reverb, and it's like how can. You see, and Tume didn't sing, you know, so it's like he says, yeah, I got this idea. I want you to sing this and sing it sing it with no reverb. It's like, whoa, I don't know about that. That's not, I don't know how that's going to work. So, and, and you have to understand, if you sing with no reverb, it's like, and they call it dry, it means like you're singing like to dead air. There's no, like, vibe. So it's like, mm, that that didn't work for me. That works for some people, but it didn't work for me. So, oh, oh, and by the way, with the with the juicy fruit, um, just a, some trivia. I was out with Roxy Music when Mtume was working on the the music for the Juicy Fruit album. Uh, I had happened to come home on break. He said, "I got this song. It was the last song that we were going to do for the Juicy Fruit album. You got to sing this song." Okay, I'm home from Roxy Music for like a week. We go into the studio. He got this song. It's like, okay, can we just put some reverb on this because, you know, I, I need to feel some sort of vibe. He said, no, let's try it without. Mm-mm, didn't work. So we came up with a compromise. While I'm singing, put the reverb on while I'm singing. And so, and when, when you mix it, you can take it off. And that's how we got through the Juicy Fruit album. And then I went now, back out. I went back oh, out wait, with, with put... Roxy. And then I went out with Luther. So, I mean, and then you know, did the song just kind of blow up around you without even really knowing it? The song Juicy blew up when I was out on tour with Roxy Music. I was in Europe with Roxy Music, and so Mtume would call me and say, well, the record's doing really well. And, you know, you know, first it started like at number 99, <laughs> you know, and then it, it got to like number one. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, you know, I would call him in between. He would call me in between, and it's like, well, it's doing them. It's doing really well. It's like uh, number twenty, number nineteen, and then it went all the way up to number one. And it was number one for eight weeks. It's like, what are you talking about? So, when Roxy Music came to New York to perform, they played Juicy Fruit while the audience is waiting for the show to start. <laughs> and, <laughs> And if Tume was sitting in the audience, I mean, and they played it over and over and over again. It's like, oh my goodness, this I, this is this is really happening, isn't it? So I was out with 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 Roxy. Juicy had come out; it was blowing up. And, and then it's like I had to. And in the meantime, I, I would be working with Luther if I had time off. 
because at this time, you know, I got busy with with my own career with the with the uh, with with working with other people, and so when Luther had, uh, like you said, when somebody was couldn't be couldn't make it, um, I would fill in for that person. But originally, I was just there in the studio when I did like the first three tours. But then everybody everybody's career sort of took off, so everybody was busy. But we always made time for each other. If we could. All right. Well, that's and a that's- perfect lead up to our trivia question about Tawatha. You performed on every album except one. Drum roll. <laughs> what album did you perform on? I did not sing on The Night I Fell in Love. Oh, my God. There's going to be a sigh in the fans because they love that album. <laughs> I loved it, too. When I heard it, it's like, oh, why don't I know this song? Well, you were out on tour. So it's like, oh, oh, I just, you were, I just You were supporting Juicy Fruit. I mean, you were with them, too. They you guys had several exactly, albums. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So it was, a good, it was a good thing. But, you know, I mean, it's like Luther's like my family. So my musical family, so it's like, oh, I, I miss that. I, I didn't see like I didn't see the baby take the first few steps, you know. And I, I, I was really sorry about that, but only up to a point because Juicy was doing so well. So, and when when was the, it when weird? The gods allowed, did you have any trepidations about singing the lyrics? Because when I had Alpha Anderson from Chic on last month, we were talking about I want you, I want your love, and she said that mm-hmm. she was kind of raised. Uh, and it, that was really kind of hard for her to uh, to be so brazen with the lyrics. And I think Juicy Fruit's a little bit more provocative than I Want Your oh, Love. And I'm just curious, like, were you when you first saw the lyric sheet, were you a little bit like, okay? <laughs> Juicy was much more risque, but I had no problems with it because all we wanted was a, a, a hit. You know what I mean? And if that's what, <laughs> that's what if people didn't mind, I didn't mind. Because, you know, it's just, it's just lyrics to a song. It's not like it was my life. You know what I mean? It's like it's, yeah. it's a song, and people like it, and if they enjoy it, that's what I'm going to sing. Even though the All right, well, now I want to tell everyone, like, um, in the years that have passed, you've worked, you've continued to work with so many people, but you actually teamed up with two other Luther vocalists and went on the road with Dave Matthews as part of the Lovely Ladies. Tell us a little bit the about that experience. Ladies. Oh, the lovely ladies. Do you know I got the call for um, for the Dave Matthews um, album, um, uh, and I was in the studio with Luther, with Cindy and Brenda, Cindy Mizell and Brenda White. And so it's like, I got this job. You want to do this session with me? So we left the Luther session, went down to uh, Electric Lady in the Village in New York, and we sang for Dave Matthews. We sang a song called Stay. And that was the first song. They liked us so much until they asked us to come out and sing the song. They were going to be at the Meadowlands, um, I think, in a few weeks after we recorded that song. And they asked us to come out and do one song. And it's like, oh, yeah, we could do that. We went out there and we did one song. (laughs) And then they kept asking us to, you know, come back and do another song. I mean, the same song in a different show. And it's like, you know, we can sing more than one song. And that turned into a, a two-year tour for us. <laughs> and the I love lovely it. ladies, the lovely ladies were—I I must say—they were all of that. And you know, you could check us out on YouTube, uh, the lovely ladies with the Dave Matthews Band, and we—it was—it was amazing. It was amazing. That's all I can. Say. It is amazing. I love the video you posted on your website. All right, well, oh, Tawatha, yeah. it's time for. <laughs> Wow. Uh, it's our hot seat Ooh. question. 
Oh, boy. You mentioned in a recent article, Tawasa, that you would like to redo Two Hearts, the classic duet you wrote for Stephanie Mills and Teddy Pendergrass. Yes. Who would you like to perform it with? Well, you know, I did it first. With, we, we did a, a, a snippet of it on stage with Luther back in the day cause, because he would allow all, he, the background singers that had step out and everybody sang uh, a song and he would sing Two Hearts with me. And so it's like, wow, this is really good. Even though I, it was written for somebody else, it's like, you know, when, I, when I'm able, I, I want to do this song again. And at first I thought it would be good with somebody like, because um, this, this was way back in the day, um, it would be like somebody like a Johnny Gill, somebody with a, or in, in even more recently a Jaheem. But I'm sure... Um, any, any look, anybody that could could handle Teddy's part, I, I I would be game. I would be game to sing with. I would be game. But nobody. Well, you you kind of hinted that you like might do it with a different sound because you hinted on your website that you might get back to music, and you know you're mm -hmm. liking for the right stuff. So for for Tawasa fans out there, M2A fans, Luther fans, are you gonna are you working on anything? What are you doing now? Actually, we are. We're working on uh, an EP right now. We're working on it. Yep. I love it. Well, we'll have you back on the show, and we'll talk all about it. I, I mean, okay. so great for you to share your Luther memories. I just want to know, because so many people said uh, Luther was like a school for them. What, what, what did you take away from the whole experience? Like, what did Luther uh, teach you? Because you're so, you have so many great inspiring quotes on your own website. I'm just curious oh, yeah. what, you, what you learned from him. Well, you know, Luther, Luther was a, is a, it, it, sometimes it's hard to speak of him being the past tense. Um, Luther is um, a master at what he does, and I had never run into anyone who knew exactly what he wanted from each person that was singing. Um, and uh, I really like that. And the, the, the Luther taught me to be prepared. You know, you, you got to be prepared as much as you can be. And then when you go in to sing for people that you've never worked with before, then, you know, it's, then it, it, it would be cool. You got to be ready. You got to stay ready to be ready. So you got to be up on your game. You got to come in warmed up, you know, and, and you have the right attitude and make sure your chops are up. Make sure you can sing. That's all. That's all. I love you got to be able Thank to you. deliver. Uh, check out Tawatha G's website. It's wonderful, com, And check out, we're going to be all listening for the next M2 May record. You heard it here first. Thanks, Tawatha. No, it's going to be Tawatha. It's going to be Tawatha. Oh, it's good. all right. You're going, because you released several, <laughs> you had a solo album, Thigh Ride. I still play that song. Oh, my goodness. Now talk about risque. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I'm a fan. I'd okay. love to play that. I'll be the first one to break that album when you have it. I'd, I'd love to. I'd love to do it. Thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Okay. What thank a pleasure. You. You All right. The care. next song we're playing was the lead single in support of Luther's multi-platinum selling album, Luther Vandross. It came, became a top ten R&B hit. The single peaked at number seven on the Billboard Hot R&B charts and was a top forty hit on the Billboard Hot 100. Plus, Jay Z, Beyonce's husband. I think we know her as sampled this song for his, his own song entitled Excuse Me Bis back in 2002. Here's Take You Out, courtesy of Sony Music. Excuse me, I want to know you. I think I can show you the love. Can I take you out tonight? 
I love that song. Welcome back to Diabetes Late Night and my special tribute to Luther Vandross. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick, and Luther Vandross is former personal assistant. You know, my next guest takes out the Luther entourage every year to um, honor his legacy, and it's so awesome to have her on the show again with me. Please welcome Luther's fabulous niece, who takes me out every year to celebrate, Savita Williams. Hi, Savita. We had such a wonderful celebration uh, this year at um, with uh, Luther's former business manager, Carmen Romano. You hosted this fabulous little party for everyone. I actually got to sing uh, karaoke, karaoke with <laughs> Lisa Fisher. I th- it I wasn't the high point of the evening. It was a low. I, it was a low point, but it was still. It was a high point for me. <laughs> we did have a good time. Just Absolutely. All right. I- Campaign toast. Now, you guys, there's a lot of history on websites and a lot of things you could Google about you calling Luther Vandross Uncle Ronnie. Tell us a little bit about that. If that's is that a myth or is that fact? No, I called him Uncle Ronnie, um, mainly because that was the name. You know, we got told we were little. They had Uncle Ronnie. Call Uncle Ronnie, and then you know, when you get older, you find out that his name was uh. A Luther Ronzoni, so the short version is Ronnie, because my mother and everybody referred to him as Ronnie. Nobody called him Luther unless it was business late in the later years. So it was Uncle Ronnie all the time. All right, well, I was doing a little bit of research, and I was Googling, like, massive things about Luther, and I found out that he performed at your older sister's wedding, Venice's, but he said in the interview he didn't perform as Luther Vandross. He performed as her uncle. What was that like, and how did your how did your sister react to that? <laughs> you know, I have to be honest. We probably acted very nonchalantly. I mean, that's just how we treated him. He was Uncle Ronnie to us. We there was some celebrity to him, but that generally always and only happened outside of the house and outside of the family. So when we were doing family things, it was just Uncle Ronnie. I mean, he played spoons with us and Pacino, and you know, he cheated at other card games and stuff. So you forget that there was a celebrity side to him most of the time, and just went with the. With the you know the family side, and at her wedding, I mean, I remember we had some young men, um, about five young men doing harmony who sang, and I remember them singing more than I remember him singing. And Lisa Fisher and Ava, Alpha actually, uh, also sang. I remember them singing, but I really don't remember him singing or what he sang. So when did you kind of become aware of your uncle's success? Like, how old were you? And do you have a a memory that sticks out about when you realized your uncle was someone more than just your uncle? I do. There were a couple of little things. But, like, um, one time, I mean, we were in Connecticut in a shopping mall, and we – He's a big, he was a big man, and I'm not talking heavy, I'm talking height, and so am, and I'm tall, and we look a lot alike, and we're walking in the, in the mall, and everybody just kept going, <gasps> and I didn't know what that was, and then I'm like, well, what's wrong with these people, and then I recognized, then they came up, and they're like, Mr. Vandross, Mr. Vandross, could we have your autograph, and I'm like, ew, okay, 
And he was like, be quiet, bitch. <laughs> um, and there was another time when he said he was going to Africa to perform. He had like three or four concerts. And I'm like, why are you going there? Who knows you in Africa? So always, I mean, I just didn't. I didn't get it for a while. Not really until after he passed did I did I claim him a little bit. I know, and the fan support, like from the very beginning after the stroke with the prayer vigils and everything, was so amazing. I'm just curious how did the how did the family react to all of that? The family has always been amazed at the kindness from his fans. They have been. Just, I mean, they've, they've provided undying support to the family. They've embraced us. They make us feel like you. It was at his 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 wake that I honestly understood how many people loved him and how many people he really affect um, affected. Uh, we had that thing happening for like three days, and I was panicked. Like, who's going to show up to this? Nobody's coming. And then three days later, people were still coming to say, "He touched me, and I have to be here. I just have to be here." And then I was like, "Oh, yeah, he was a sweet man, a sweetheart, a kind man, and he didn't just belong to us." And then I felt proud to to have you know, have him to share. And I was and I'm so grateful to the fans for all of their celebration of him and keeping his his legacy going. They never stop letting the music be played and you know, it's been wonderful. And is there anything coming up um with Sony Music that the fans should know about? There are a couple of things that we do have in the works, but you know you you don't want to say anything until like it's in packages or whatever, as it is oh. an absolute thing. I will. It's a will, cliffhanger. Keep checking back with his website. Um, it all information will be on the website as well. All right, Savita, it's that time. <laughs> I love that sound effect. It's a hot seat question. We've All the fans want to know. I get to ask you one question, and you're on the hot seat, and the fire truck is coming at you. I, and <laughs> frankly, fans, I know Savita. I see her all the time, so I love to joke around with Savita. Savita, what's your all-time favorite Luther Vandross breakup song? Oh, breakup. Uh, see, uh, I don't have that one. I, I, I know. I love isn't there someone and wait for love I don't think wait for love can be beat because it's the truth (laughs) it's a love song I think you're right I think that's a good we're going to have to play that album I I, I think what is that album about is that on the night I fell in love Okay, see, I'm not going to answer that question because Leon is back there somewhere waiting to go, no, no, no. Oh, yeah, I know. He's going to, Leon, the historian's going to come up. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Savita. (laughs) And she's right. Later on in the show, we're going to be talking to the fans and the Luther Vandross historian who created a whole sensation on Facebook with our Luther Vandross group. But right now, we're going to go back to the album. 
because our Luther, our diva inspiration, Luther Vandross, was an amazing songwriter, but he was equally well-known for his distinctive interpretations of classic pop and R&B songs, reflecting on his knowledge and appreciation of popular music from his youth. Here's Luther's cover of a song written by Burt Bacharach and Hal David for Dionne Warwick back in 1965. Courtesy of Tony Welcome back to Diaries Late Night and my special tribute to Luther Vandross. Coming up later, we'll have the chance to play along as we test some of the Luther fans' knowledge with our Luther Vandross trivia. Straight ahead, we're talking about how Luther brought his amazing arrangements you hear on the albums to stage with his former percussionist, Steve Kroon. Here he is. He's been in the business for over three decades. Please welcome Steve Kroon to the show. Hi, Steve. Hey, what's happening, Matt? So glad you could How join you us tonight. Man, I was listening. It was so you, I, I didn't hear what you just said. I'm sorry. I, I was just listening to you. It was nice, man. Brought back a lot. Of... Oh, to hear about Tawatha and hear about Savita and hear the music? Yeah, yeah, it's great, man. Yeah, yeah. All right, so you're Luther's stuff. former uh, percussionist. I'm just curious, like, when did you first meet him, and how did you become a ma- uh, member of the Luther Band? Well, I was brought in um, at the time um, when he recorded this percussionist by the name of Crusher Bennett. He did uh, the record, and um, they wanted him to go on the road, but he was real busy at the time doing jingles and record dates. So he told um, them about me to do the audition. So I came and auditioned, and um, I did very good at the audition. He liked me right off, right off the top. You know what year uh, was that? That was um, that was like the beginning of '80 because we started '81 touring. I started '81 touring with him. You know that was right in the you beginning. You started on the very it. first Luther Vandross tour. Yes, I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who was in the band at that time? I mean, this is well, amazing. at that time, um, the first band. Uh, there's a few guys I don't want to really mention because he 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 kind of didn't keep them. He got rid of them. He, he wasn't crazy about them. And the ones that stayed, i tell you the ones that stayed. It was me, Doc, and and uh, Nat, of course, Nat Alley. Nat Alley was the musical director all, all the time. So he um, he changed uh, and um, a few, um, for the next gig after that, Yogi came in the group, Yogi Horton. And he was on so drums. That, right. So it was Yogi, it was uh, um, uh, Nat, um, Doc, Doc Powell, myself, um, and then Skip came in the group, Skip Anderson. He came on Synthesizer. And then after that, Tinker came in. And that was the main for about seven to eight years after that. That was one of the main groups with uh, Yogi, Tinker, Doc, 
Skip and um, Nat is the musical director. Now, how did you take the music that you've heard on the album and bring it to life in on stage? Because it, you really made it so lush. I mean, I had the fortune of touring with you a couple times, and I just never. I mean, I could still hear the live arrangements in my head because it was so moving. I'm just curious, like, what was what was that experience like? What was the process of taking a song? that everyone's heard to the stage? Because a lot of times he would he would be touring off a new album and you'd be doing the first ever live performances of any of, of those songs. And I, how did that happen? Well, one thing that I loved and I learned so much about Luther, we were so very well prepared. Um, we rehearsed a lot. Before we went on tour, we rehearsed for a couple of weeks, man. I mean, he rehearsed. He had a very strong... Uh, ethics of how to rehearse. The band would rehearse for a week by themselves, and the singers would rehearse by themselves. Then we would get together and rehearse together for like a week, and then we would start, then we would rehearse the whole stage and the whole show. So when it came together, I mean, it was like, wow, everybody knew so much of what the music was about. And then there was a, a little, for me especially, there was a little freedom for me to create a little bit of stuff that I wanted to do, you know? And, you know... Would you experiment Lucas, during the shows, or would you experiment in rehearsal? Like, because you're, 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 uh, the percussions were just something that's unscripted, right? So, I mean, you did have a little bit it, of... No, every, it, was, it, may, it, it was a little unscripted, but for the most part, what we were we really... Uh, one thing that was very important during the rehearsals is that everybody knew their part and we played like a machine. Uh, it was like a motor. I mean, uh, everybody had their lane and when everyone played their part correctly and everything was in sync, boy, what a groove. Uh, I learned so much from that. You know, how a band is so important for everybody to, to really, um, be concentrated and focus on, on what they're supposed to be doing. You, it, it, as you remember, man, every night it sounded like a record session. It did. It like a record I mean, recording. It, it's incredible. And we should tell everyone that you've gone on and now you have your own band. You have about five different albums available, Steve Kroon, on your website. What, As a band leader yourself now, what you you mentioned a couple times earlier lessons you learned from him. I'm I'm curious, like, what do you take away now that you're kind of the lead with your own music? How how did Luther rub well, off? Well, you know, being with him for so long, I was with him 20 years, and and just talking with him and being around him, it it, it was amazing to see. Like just like Tawafa said, he was so in control, he knew exactly what he wanted to do and, and where he wanted the music to go. He was in control of his whole, his whole, the whole music thing for him. I mean, it all came from him, how, how the, the music was, how the staging was, how the lights were going to be, how we dressed, you know. I mean, he really had a vision. And the mere fact of that he loved to have a unit you have the same people for a long amount of time because you get a sound. I've kind of done the same thing with my group. You know, I pick guys that I really like to work with, and uh, I let them feel a, be a part of the group and all. And this way, the, the music just kind of evolves, man. Um, but we had a 
we had an incredible rhythm section, man. Uh, when we laid down grooves, uh, it was amazing. Matter of fact, when during Luso when when Yogi left, it was so hard. Uh, we was trying to think about how we were gonna replace him, and then we had Ivan, you know. And after Doc came Phil Hamilton. Came by and yes, I know there were a couple of changes a little bit later on. Yeah. All right, I have a couple of silly questions for you. Uh, one, how how did your hand feel after a performance? Because you were beating those drums. <laughs> so many. I'm just curious. Like, how does a percussionist avoid the pan pain? Well, you know. Just like any musician, it's part of your, you got to know how to take care of yourself. Because regardless of what you do, even vocalists, uh, after singing a couple of, couple of nights, I guess their throats get sore. You know, you you got to know how to take care and pamper yourself, you know. I knew how to, uh, you know, when I had time off and all, how to, you know, relax my hands and, you know, uh, Vaseline, put some plastic gloves on and let them, you know, get nice and moist and, you know. You learn how to take care of yourself. And, uh, were there any songs on the set list that you thought were truly challenging? Ooh, man, that's a good one. Yes, there were. Um, yes, there were. Uh, actually, when we came first, with the night I fell in love had a lot of percussion parts. And um, that was a little challenging. Um and then also when we start, we did um, The Impossible Dream, and I had to play um, timpani with the drum machines and all, you know, because he did a lot of classical percussion stuff on that. Uh, so I had to really, I really had to get in uh, and study those parts and all. That was a little difficult. But that was amazing on stage. Uh, I was wondering how he was going to pull that off. And when he got up and sang to dream the impossible dream, wow. You know, I agree. I'll never forget that as long as I live either. I, I remember, I mean, everybody was yeah. saying, how are you going to pull this off? And, and he just Night got up and, Night. wow. That's because he, he was so confident in, in who he was. And, and uh, he was like I said, he was so much in control of his thing, that of his own talent, his art, that he, he knew what he was going to do. And um, I, I think, a lot of, you know, you pointed to something, though. I mean, I think a lot of people just think of him as extraordinary talent, which, of course, he was. But I don't think people truly understand the work ethic that was involved in it. And oh, how, they didn't know that you were the how, how much he was so focused on that and also just the joy of entertaining how, you know, he really did take everyone to lengths to make sure he was putting on the best show from – you know, you're talk- we're talking right now about the musical arrangements, and obviously earlier Tawatha was talking about the vocals, but I know firsthand about the costumes, and ob- there are people involved in the choreography, oh, the lights, and I mean, he was so detail-oriented with the idea of just putting on a great show. I mean, that really woke him up in the morning and seemed to kind of uh, drive him, don't you think? Oh, man, you know, like, I, I think sometimes of the staging that we had, and when we first started, how he just kept it just kept evolving. Remember, first he came out with the Bad Boy. Remember that tour? That was one thing. And then the night I fell in love. Oh my God, that was beautiful. Uh, and each show, he just you know he thought of the scripts. He thought of you know how he wanted it to look, how we want to enter, how you know he uh, this was it was his vision. It was yeah, his I love vision. It. 
And the, 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 the mere fact that we were just along for the we were, we were right there for the ride, and we got to see all this. The first time we performed, we opened up. Uh, he opened up. Uh, uh, first time we opened up, we opened up with the Commodores for doing their last tour, right? And we only did three songs. Did um, don't you know that the glow of love and the house is not a home? All right, and. I let you last tour with the Commodores. I remember we got to speak to Lionel night. One day at Soundcheck, he comes up. He said, "Lionel was a beautiful person," and he said, "John, give a message to Luther." <laughs> What's the message? He said, "Hey, you're only doing three songs. Could you stop kicking our butts?" <laughs> he was he he was amazed with Luther, man. He said, "Wow, y'all, man, he's you know so fantastic." And uh, you know, I don't even know if Luther at that time really knew how just those three songs we just tearing it up, you know. But uh, he started with those three, and then as the show grew, boy, he just exploded, man. You know, I mean, he just came back with all these ideas, and uh, wow, what a creative person! I love you it. Know? All right, so tell everyone how they can. Um Find out more about you, Steve Kroon, and some of your upcoming gigs. Oh, um, well, my my group, um, website. And I'll be if he's breaking. I think you're breaking up a little bit, but I'll be reposting it on our Facebook page. That was Steve Kroon. Thank you so much for joining us. Our next song, let's make tonight the night was produced by Eddie F. of Heavy D and the Boys fame, courtesy of Sony Music. Let's listen to another song off of Luther's de- debut album for J Records. tribute to Luther Vandross. All right, I know our next guest's ears have been burning. He's Luther's, uh, his, the Luther Vandross historian, as I like to call him. He's running the Facebook group and, and getting fans all over the world who love Luther to kind of share their stories and memories, and, and sometimes they share some of their favorite um, clips, including one that I was featured in the other day, which kind of surprised me. Please welcome to the show Leon Petrosin. Hi, Leon. Hi, how you doing, Max? Good. Uh, I, were your ears burning at all with Steve Kroon and, and our interview with uh, Tawasa Edgy? I'm curious to know what you thought oh. of that. Oh, yeah, man. Great interviews. Um, I always love Steve Kroon, the video. You know, you see of him uh, doing searching. I just uh, That was like one of the greatest drum, you know, just greatest drum beats. And <laughs> Tawasa, what can I say about her? I mean, she's, she's great. I mean, uh, I was going to, you know, I was thinking back to, it was a, a song I had found a couple years back with her and Luther back in 1980. They sang on a song called Tell Me When. Uh, album was by Chris Hines and Peter Tosh. Album was Words, Sound, and Power. And it's just them two singing on it. 
Wow. All right, so tell us a little yeah. bit about this album. What are your favorite songs from this uh, Luther's debut album for J Records? Did you have any favorites from this album? Um, let's see. I do, which pretty pretty much every song on there is great. I mean, I, it's, it's hard to pick a song that, you know, that's uh, one of my least favorite. But uh, I guess if I were to pick pick some, I would say uh, Any Day Now and uh, um, let's see, Take You Out. I do like that one. So those are my two favorites. Oh, I agree. I like those two. All right. Now you've been kind of you're you're a longtime Luther fan, but you you you've been kind of getting everyone else involved into the game with the Luther fans, and you have this fabulous. Luther Vandross fan Facebook page. Tell us a little bit about the people you've met who are also fans of Luther's. Oh, I've been, I mean, I've just been meeting all kinds of fans. Uh, and then, you know, eventually some of them, you know, have become admins. So uh, it's been really great because, you know, they really, you can just see the love and, and interest that they have in the group and the love of Luther and, and honoring his uh, music and legacy. And there really is community behind the music, which is amazing. I mean, I think that really comes out. If you follow that page, you really get a sense of the different voices and how much people really, I don't know, it's just a shared legacy that we all have together. So uh, it's going to be kind of interesting to see how they do on the trivia, right, Leon? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't wait. All right, well, hold on, because we're going to start meeting the fans now. We've got on the phone with us one of Luther's fans who actually met him in person. Please welcome to the show, Graylin. Hi, Graylin. How are you, Max? Good. Great to have you on the show. Now, um, you're from the D.C. area, and back when this album first came out, Jay Records had Luther going around doing listening parties, as well as doing a tour with the radio stations around the area. You were actually went to one of the listening parties in your in your area. Tell us a little bit about that experience. I did. I was actually, I was managing a record store uh, in the area. Actually, I managed a record store for several years. And um, artists would, would, would typically do what they call listening parties if they had a new album coming out. So when this, uh, uh, the first single was released, my district manager comes in because he knew I was a big fan. And he says, hey, Luther's going to be in Georgetown. I'm thinking performing at a concert. He's like, no, it's a listening party for this new J Records album. You know, he's going through BMG or whatever. I said, wow. So I said, this is my second opportunity because he was in my store like 10 years prior and I was off that day. So one of my employees called me and said, you're not going to just walk in the store. So this was my opportunity to actually meet him. And that was in June of 2001. And um, to this day, I can tell you, Everything that happened from, from, from the time I woke up that morning to the time I went to sleep. I just remember him walking in to this, and it wasn't a hotel. It was a big restaurant. I think that's, the building is still there because I pass every now and then, but I don't think it's a restaurant anymore. But it was like a ballroom. And when I got there, it must have been maybe like 5.30 or 6. It was still light. So it must have been maybe 5.36, something like that. And I had been there for about 15 minutes. And, you know, people, maybe 60 or 70 people just milling around, record company executives, yada, 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 yada. And I turn around. I don't know. A spirit moved me to turn around, and there he was. And there was no entourage. There was. He had a gray suit on with um, I can't, I, I, I don't know how to describe the shirt that he had on, but a, just a gray striped sport jacket and slacks on 
No fanfare. He had, it must have been a glass of Coke or whatever, soda, Sprite or whatever in his hand. And he walked in, and that was it. And I, and I tell you. <laughs> now, fans would have been tongue-tied, so I'm kind of curious. How did you, did you really form coherent sentences when you, when you talked to him? Like, what did you get to ask him? Um, you know, believe it or not, I don't remember necessarily being, you know, I was, I was nervous leading up to it happening. But once he walked in, and like I said, I think the key, the key for me not being tongue-tied is that there was not a lot of fanfare. He walked in. Uh, I, I let him listen. I, I let him. I let him, quote-unquote. Uh, he walked in, and he, he greeted a few female admirers, yada, 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 and he made his way over to the side of the room that I was standing at. And I just went into my questioning, and I know I must have asked him, I know at least 15 or 20 questions, but the, the thing I remember is but after I got through, like, the seventh question, he said, you know what, don't worry about it because I like the questions that you ask. So I don't know what he meant by that. I don't know what he was expecting me to ask him, but uh, that was real. That was a real moment for me. I'll, I'll never forget that. Okay, so how do you think you're going to do on the trivia tonight? Uh, I don't think there's really anything. You know, Leon uh, – I mean, he he really goes deep, deep, deep in in the catalog of unreleased songs, yada yada yada. So I, I'll give him that crown. But I don't think there's too many trivia questions that you could ask me about Luther that I don't know. But we'll see. Oh, all right, Leon, did you hear that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you? We're gonna we're gonna see how this. Sabrina's supposed to be calling in. I don't recognize her number, so I'm I'm. If she comes on a little bit later, we'll hear I, I, another fan story. Say, but right. But, but let, but let me say this though, real quick, because I'm a little confused. Uh, the, one of the questions that you asked Tawatha earlier, you asked her what was the album that she didn't sing. I think I saw it on the Facebook somewhere. But as I recall, and I'll blame Sony or CBS, whoever's responsible for it, mm-hmm. because she's also not credited on Give Me the Reason. Yeah. So I don't know uh-huh. if that's okay. If that was a slip up yeah. on the record yeah. company's part, but she's not credited as singing on Not I Fell in Love or Give Me the Reason because. When I saw the first saw the question on Facebook, I typed in "Give me the reason" because it made more sense. This juicy fruit was a little bit closer to "Night I Fell in Love." Give me the reason was '86. So just as I've heard Paulette McWilliams say that she sang on "Jump to It," she's not credited as singing on it. So that was like a little nugget for me to chew on. All right. Well, before we get to trivia, let's hear a song that she is credited for singing on. Here's Tawatha G and all those fabulous background singers on Say It Now, courtesy of Sony Music. Those three words make all the difference in the world. You might wait and miss your chance, so don't be scared to say what you're feeling. Welcome back to Divey's Late Night and my special tribute to Luther Vandross. I'm your host, Mr. Diva Bedick, and Luther's formal personal assistant. Coming up, I'll be talking to the vocalist who jumped from the sounds of blackness over to the Luther Vandross stage. Plus, we'll be talking about a new stage show, Luther Relives, that's in the D.C. area making its way to Vegas. But right now, I'm back with the Luther historian, Leon. 
And we're challenging one of Luther's biggest fans who actually knows a lot more about Tawatha G than I think she does when it comes to her musical <laughs> legacy at Luther. And we're going to challenge her to we're going to see how well he does with questions about Luther. Now, if you get it wrong, you're going to hear. <laughs> very excited to play that. Everyone, anyone who listens to my normal podcast knows that I'm a little, I, I love the buzzer. All right, so here we go. Are you ready, um, Graylin? I'm ready. You're from I'm the ready. D.C. area. I'm going to read the question. I'll give you the choices, and Leon's going to reveal the answers. All right, this is all from 2000s, by the way, for those of you, because we're playing the Luther Vandross debut album uh, from J Records back in 2000. All right, which song Leon, did Luther's Leon, best don't friend... All right, which song did Luther's best friend since childhood, Fonzie Thornton, co-write with Luther on this album? Was it A, I'd Rather, B... Love Forgot, Love Forgot, Love Forgot. Love Forgot. You should have let him uh, say the choices. You had four choices. You should have let him continue. Yeah, you really jumped the gun on that one. All right, the choices were I'd Rather, If I Was the One... Like I'm Invisible, and the song we just played, Say It Now. Do you want to guess again? Give me the choices again. Ooh. Uh, this would never happen, and I want to be a millionaire. I'd rather, <laughs> if I was the one, hey, what, like what, I'm Invisible, like I was in, I'm Invisible, or Say It Now. Which one do you think it was? Uh, it wasn't I'd rather. Uh, say It Now. Oh, Oh, that wow. fan from DC is not doing well. Leon, what is the take the pain away? What was the answer? All right, it's it's actually it was uh, C, like I'm invisible. And and I'll the other song. He's written more songs with Luther than just that one. That's the only one that uh, appears on the album, though, right? Right, right. All right, so on Luther's cover song, "Any Day Now." Uh, who was the artist that first recorded this, the initial v- version of this song? Was it A, Ronnie Millsap, B, Burt Backrack, C, Elvis Presley, or D, Chuck Jackson? Chuck Jackson. Yeah. Okay, now joining us is Patricia Addy Gentle. Here's our next question. Can you name more than one diabetes health-related complication? Is that for me? Yeah, Absolutely. And we got our certified oh, diabetes uh, educator. Uh, impotence. Okay. <laughs> Can you name another one? That's one. Can you name another one? <laughs> uh, high blood pressure. Uh, Patricia, what do you want to say? Yeah. That is correct. High blood pressure is one of those uh, complications that is related to diabetes. Okay. Um, but impotence. Of course, is included um, as one of those adverse effects from cardiovascular disease. And cardiovascular disease uh, affects about 50% of people with diabetes. So heart disease, stroke, those kinds of things. The American Diabetes Association reports that more than 71% of U.S. adults with diabetes had hypertension or used medication to treat their hypertension. So you are right. Great job. Thank you for raising awareness for diabetes in a fun new way. Moving right along, which one of Luther's longtime collaborators is the co-writer of Love Forgot? Are you just going to go for it now since you mentioned that I'm earlier? Gonna, I'm going to go for it now because I know that's Marcus Miller. 
Yep. Leon, what do you want to say? Oh, yeah, that's right. You got it. <laughs> do you want to add anything about Marcus Miller, Leon? Oh, uh, let's see. Marcus Miller uh, has had a, a very long career. Uh, he, he's a bass player, producer, and songwriter. And he worked with Luther since his solo career, you know, starting in 81. And they first met as uh, session musicians in New York City during the late 70s. Uh, one of their first albums they actually were on together was a ZZ Hill album, The Mark of ZZ, in 1979. And uh, they actually later became really good friends while on the road with Roberta Flack in 1980. That's a nice little musical history of those two. That's wonderful. All right, good job, Graylin. You're doing great. All right, which bonus song is the only song that was included on the U.K. release of his debut album on J Records? Is it A, you really started something, B, bad copy, hey, C, hey, it's only... Hey, oh, hey, he's going hey, for a, what hey. do you want to say, Leon? Is that right or wrong? Yeah, he's right. He's right. Yeah. You really started something. I don't think most U.S. fans have heard of that song. Do you, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more yeah. about it? Uh, just just from what I understand, it was only released in the U.K., and I'm, you know, I'm not sure why, but other than that, I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Uh, Graylin, what's the difference between type 1 and type 2 diabetes? Oh, my God. I'm on a spot now. I might have to hear that again. <laughs> it's just an open-ended question. <laughs> Do you want to help from uh, an expert named See, Patricia Addy-Dental? I, 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 need a, I need help from an expert. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll ask Patricia. Patricia, well, what's I'm the difference between type, you, uh, type 1 and type 2? Type 1 diabetes uh, occurs when a person is no longer making insulin. So it means that their pancreas is rendered unable to produce insulin. The only way to treat type 1 is through insulin, um, synthetic insulin by some form, injection by pump or something. Uh, But you have to get insulin to the person. And type 2, the person makes insulin, but like I said before, they're not able to use it. They're uh, some hindrance in the way it's being uh, utilized and distributed through the body. So with type 2, uh, some people are able to treat that with lifestyle changes, such as increased exercise and weight loss. Some are able to treat it, including those lifestyle changes, but also using medications, whether it's oral or insulin. So type Great. 2 people do take insulin sometimes. All right. Thank you so much for Good that info. information. Who's the, here's your final question. Who's the leading lady in both of Luther's videos, Take You Out and Kevin Can Have and Wait? Was it A, Naomi, B, Tyra, C, Garcelle, D, Iman? Garcelle. Yeah. Leon. That's right. That's for right. the win. Oh. Yep. Yeah. Actress, model. Uh, any anything interesting about any of these other women we should know about regarding Luther Leon? Uh, let's see. Um, Naomi Campbell, uh, who's a supermodel and actress, did release one album in 1994, Baby Woman, which included Luther on background vocals on the song All Through the Night. And I think that's only. Oh, and then I- Iman was also married to David Bowie. Um, they got married in 1992. And of course, David Bowie's known, you know, for giving Luther his big break in the, you know, music business as a background singer and uh, on Young Americans. 
I love it. And and Dave from Montreal just texted in and say he performed Say It Now as the opening number at Essence Festival, I think, in 2002. Can you believe? I mean, the fans are being oh, wow. heard tonight around the clock. You did uh, around the world. You did such a great job, Graylin. Thank you so much for being a part of tonight's uh, Luther Tribute Podcast. We appreciate it so thank, much. And thank, thank you, you Leon, me, for doing everything you do to keep the legacy alive. You heard from Savita earlier. She said to say how much oh, she yeah. loves you and how much the family appreciates oh, you. I appreciate it. I just, man, I just, I can't say enough about Luther's music and what it means to me. So I'll keep it going as long as I'm, you know, as long as I'm still here. All right. Well, you probably already know this, Leon, but in 1999 and 2000, Luther finally ended his search for a new record company by becoming the first act signed to J Records by Clive Davis. He made his label debut with our next track, If I Was the One, which was included on the soundtrack for which uh, movie? Do you remember, Leon? Oh, uh oh, I don't know. Raylan? You got me. You got me. Uh, Doctor Doolittle. I don't know that one. Doctor Doolittle two. <laughs> Let's ah, listen to it right wow. now. But if I was the one who was loving you, baby, the only tears you cry would be tears of joy. And if I was by your side, you'd never know. to Divey's Late Night, my special podcast, to Luther, tribute podcast to Luther Vandross. Right now it's time to meet Patricia Lacey, who's one of Luther's background singers. I loved working with her for years. Please welcome Patricia. Hi, Pat. Hi, Pat. Hey, Max. How are you? Hi, everyone. I'm so good. I couldn't find your number in my caller log, and I just found I took a guess. That's why I was kind of stumbling uh-huh. over my words. <laughs> It's a little late in the show, and we're going to be extending the show a little longer because we have some special guests coming up. So I just want to tell our listeners that we're going to go past 7:30 on this show because I want to talk to you a little for you with a little while, and then hear about a special project you heard about on the Soul Train Cruise. So first, um, I mentioned earlier that you were a member of the Sounds of Blackness. Tell us a little bit about that experience and and tour and then touring with Luther. Oh, wow. Being a part of the Songs of Blackness, I've been there since, I want to say, 1989. So, putting my age out there, but that's okay. Um, Luther Vandross asked us to come out and be his opening at Chorus Power Love Tour, which at first was supposed to be a two-and-a-half-month tour, which stretched to five months, which we didn't mind because we were out there having a ball. And, of course, we had Sinbad out there in between the acts us being the opening act and then Sinbad and then Luther's show hitting the stage and just such a phenomenal opportunity when I got the call to come in and be a part of the group and something I'll never forget. Did you have any interaction with him before that? With Luther? (laughs) Did you have any interaction like really, uh, like did he ever, did you ever sing with him or anything before you became a member of the group? I'm just curious. No, not not at all. Um, I remember actually the very first day of the tour with the Sounds of Blackness, we were set on the stage to come down for the Power of Love finale, and some of the guys in the group couldn't travel, so I volunteered to be one of the male um, vocal parts, tenor, to sing tenor, and 
you know, Luther was inquiring who were sopranos, who were altos, and when he said, where are my tenors, and it was me and another gal, and I proudly raised my hand, and like I was in school, and he literally almost fell down backwards, cracking up at me, saying, uh-uh, girlfriend, ain't no such thing as a female tenor, you're just a lazy alto. Well, from that point on, anytime he came into our dressing room and just kind of hang out with us when he came into the venues, I would quietly get up and go out the room so I wouldn't get talked about anymore. Um, and so basically, I, you know, when I would see him coming and going through the corridors of the venues, I'd hi, Mr. Vandross, have a nice bus ride, you know, stuff like that. And that was it. I've never sung with him other than getting on um, when I came in to do the World Albert Hall show over in London for an evening of songs production with PBS. Well, now you mentioned in a, a, a YouTube video recently that singing with Luther was completely different than singing with uh, the groups like The Sound of Blackness or with your family group. And I'm just curious, how, how was that different? Can you explain? Well, that was different because of the tightness of the vocalist. Sounds of Blackness was really tight. My family group was tight to a point, but we never had the time to put in the eight hours that we did with Luther. Even with the Sounds of Blackness, we were like two or three hours a night, but they really kept us on point when it came to knowing our notes and lyrical progression and song progression and all of that stuff. But this singing with Luther Vandross and the other vocalists what took me to another level professionally when it came to singing and knowing where I needed to hit, when and how I needed to hit. Because coming from a gospel family into the Sounds of Blackness, which we spanned all forms of black music, into Luther's R&B style was another whole ball game for me. So I quickly learned the ropes of that, which I love. How did you study? Did you just take the when you got the call to join the band? Did you just grab all your Luther CDs and just start listening uh, repeatedly? I was sent cassettes with lyric sheets. That's when we were still on cassettes, and I had a mini cassette player, and I just took that with me everywhere. And I pretty much think I burned that cassette out playing it backwards and forwards. You know, making sure I had the right note at the right point and the right inflection. Luther had inflections that no other group of singers out there ever had. I, re- I remember at uh, the backstage of BET Awards one year, Shante Moore came up to us and asked, how in the world were we such a tight-knit group of vocalists? And, and we just kind of looked at each other and said, eight hours rehearsal, eight hours of rehearsal, eight hours of rehearsal. You know, whenever we got together, we put that time in to get the effect and the sound and the quality of a show that Luther wanted. And was your, first, was your first performance the Royal Albert Hall DVD? I believe that was one of the first ones. I believe that was one of the first ones. I did uh, the Grammys with them earlier and then the Royal Albert Hall and then uh, when Jay Leno took over to Tonight Show, that was my first two or three big performances with Mr. Vandross, yes. Oh, wow. All right, now, after the show, while most of us were getting ready for bed or getting on our tour buses heading to the next venue, you were doing something else completely different. What were you doing <laughs> on, the, on the tour at the end of the show? I, I became the short order cook. <laughs> um, you for, know, who, you Pat, for who, Pat? For who? For, for Luther Vandross. <laughs> so, and what would Luther you make? Would have, um, he would either Chilean sea bass or 
grilled chicken burgers, grilled turkey burgers. Every now and then we had lobster that I put on the grill, on the George Foreman grill, and set it out and, and made sure he had the seasoning that he liked. He had showed me that once when we were backstage in Vegas. And uh, while the other singers were doing the choreography, he said, Pat, come go with me. And so we went to his room where we had his George Foreman grills, and he showed me the seasonings and things that he liked. And we were on an outdoor tour at this one point, and we were supposed to take turns. But once I learned the seasoning effect that he liked on his food, everybody left it for me to do, and I did, and I enjoyed doing it. You did a great job, too. All right, so recently yes. you were on um, the Soul Train Cruise, and you yes. heard something. Tell us a little bit about that. So in going on the Soul Train Cruise in March, I, you know, I went on the website to find out what other acts were going to be on and, you know, so I can make sure I go and see the shows and make time to see the performances. And I discovered there was a Luther Vandross Relive Tribute Band that was going to be on cruise but I didn't know which segment of the cruise and then I found out that they were going to be on the segment that our group was on Sounds of Blackness and so I reached out to Henry McMillan who was the uh, orchestra director for the Sounds of Blackness and other artists who didn't bring their bands with them and I said whatever you do I got to get a meeting with this band leader and I because I had gone online and I had checked some things out and I said there's some things I know I can get in there and help sound better and and things like that. And I actually had a meeting with Desinal Boykin the night before we got on the cruise, and I had talked to him. I said, so this has been going on how long? And he had told me about eight years. But the funny thing about it is so uncannily how Mr. Will Warlord, Wardlaw looked like and sounded like Luther Vandross. In the flesh, I thought I was seeing a double, a twin. You know, I was like, what? What's going on here? And then when I got to meet him in person and I heard his voice and I almost dropped, I'm like, this is crazy for two people on earth to sound so much alike, even in their speaking voice. I couldn't fathom that and they weren't. And so I love I thought, it. All right, hold that thought because we're going to come back and we're going to meet Smooth and the producer. Deginald Boykin, who put together Luther Relives, uh, the live stage show. But first, we're going to play one more song off the album. It's a remix in, in uh, Luther Relives, Luther's Remix. Here's one of my favorite ballads off this album. It's I'd Rather, courtesy of Sony Music, and it's the remix. I'd up Divey's Late Night and my special tribute to Luther Vandross. I'm Luther's former personal assistant. I have to tell you, it brings me so much joy to see Luther's musical legacy continue on and on and on. And so you just heard one of Luther's fabulous vocalists, Pat Lacey, describing our next guest and this amazing, I don't want to say a tribute band, it's more like a stage show concert. Luther relives with a wonderful, talented 
um, singer, Smooth, and we've got his producer on the line who's producing this show, hoping to go to Vegas, uh, Deginal Boykin. Hi, guys. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello. Good evening. All right. Smooth, let's start with you, because Pat Lacey just gave you the ultimate compliment. You look and sound like Luther. Uh, i got to ask before we begin this, how did it, what does the name Smooth represent? Well, the name Smooth represents this is my singing itself because I have a lot of people that just always compliment me and just say that I just sound so smooth. So I said, why not name myself smooth? <laughs> Basically. I love it. Now, uh, if you, Pat just said you look like him. So has this happened a long time where people would keep uh, mistaking you for Luther? You know, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. Um, it, it was just, people just seen me. It wasn't, it wasn't planned. I just so happened just to look like him, and you know, fortunately, I sound like him too as well. So it wasn't a plan thing; it just so happened. That's all. But Pat, you've seen Luther Vandross on and off stage. Does Smooth yeah. capture the on stage or the off stage, or does he capture both? He captures both, in my opinion, both. Okay, so now tell us, Smooth, like what was one of the challenges trying to recreate Luther Vandross on stage hour after hour, day after day, show after show? I know I know from my own experience it was pretty hard for the original to do it. I'm curious to know what's involved for you. Well, for me, I mean, I just, you know, I go about, you know, being me, but people always just, when they see me, um, even off the stage, they say, do anybody tell you you look like Luther? I'd be like, yeah, about a million times. But it's a compliment to me because he was the <laughs> ultimate, you know, the ultimate singer. And anybody come to me about looking like him or sounding like him, I take it. So there's no problem. And are you a Luther fan? A big fan. A huge fan. <laughs> All right. So. Yes, I am. Uh, Dejanel, let's talk a little bit about the show because you heard Steve Kroon earlier talking about the stage production from the lights to the costumes to the choreography. What can we expect if we go to a Luther Relives concert experience? Well, well, that's just it. First of all, thanks for bringing this uh, to light. I, I am just in an awe with the history and the, the education that we're getting here. But what what you can expect is to is to go away just in awe. You you will you will see a stage show like no other. You will see chemistry. You will see laughter. You will see a good time. Because if we're not having a good time on the stage. We don't expect you to have a good time, and, and it could not be uh, any more flipped from that. You will go away just in awe, and we will deliver it just that way. And we, we believe in the entire aspect, not only the music, but the chemistry, the choreography, the, the wardrobe, the, the whole bit. It, 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 we, we, we make sure that you have an entertainment experience next to none, and we work at that. I mean, you've heard many, many, many testimonies about uh, uh, practicing and staging and listening and personality, uh, personnel, color, and, and we try to emulate that. That's all in our hearts, and it emanates from a wonderful team of people that uh, help make this happen. All right, and, and Pat Lacey, like, what's the best song to be performing now, again, 12 years later, like to be able to go sit back in that chair and be able to recreate some of the memories? What, what do you enjoy performing with them since you've performed with uh, Luther Relives? Oh, my God, there's so many things. I would say Never Too Much, 
here and now, always forever. Anything that we do, I am reliving my dream all over again. It's amazing. Smooth. Do you have patent leather shoes? Because I took care of Luther's wardrobe, and he only wore patent leather shoes. I hope you have a hot, a shiny well, black patent well, If I came to that show, I'd be looking right for that black leather, patent leather shoe. Well, just to let you know, I'm a, I'm a diva, so look, I, I, I wear the best. So when you see me, you will you will be pleased. <laughs> I'm gonna have to come. All right, so so um, Dustin, I'll tell us a little bit about how they can find out more about the show, where it's being performed, and where it might be be be, be performed in the near future. Well, um, you you can find all about us on either lutherrelives.com or smoothsings.com. Uh, uh, his name is William Wardlaw. We call him Smooth. So smooth things is what he does. So that that'll give you a really good picture of what we do. Um, we are privileged to be asked to debut our, our new single. I promise. As a matter of fact, I'm in Punta Cana right now, and smooth and and the singers are joining me here in a couple of days. We we're doing a, a VIP reception for some really high people that that are not yet named. In Manhattan, we're we're then uh, doing Tom Joyner family reunion. We're in Port St. Lucie. We're in uh, uh, New Orleans. We, we've been getting a lot of demand. I can hardly keep up with it now. So, hint, hint. I, I love need it. some help. We have some hires. <laughs> All right. Well, wait. We should tell everyone too, Smooth, that you're not just doing Luther Vandross. You're doing some original songs and also doing some other artists. What what's another artist that you're doing on this show? Well, I try to do a little bit Marvin Gaye. You know, okay. he's one of the ultimate. So, you know. But mainly it's a it's a Luther Relive, so you know, I just try to let people know let let people hear me other than Luther too as well. So I can bring out my own uh, vibe as well. I love it. Like I said, thank you thank you so much for keeping Luther's legacy alive. I want to thank all my guests, including Pat Lacey. So great to hear your voice. Continued success in your area. It's always the best to have you on. Everyone else, Patricia Addy Gentle, thanks for helping me raise awareness for diabetes in a fun new way. Leon, Savita, Steve, Tawatha, and of course, Luther Relives. For the past seven years, I've been bringing you podcasts every month. I hope you tune in next month when we do uh, Diabetes Late Night in August. I'll be featuring the cast of my newest Divabetic mystery gypsies tramps and peas and we'll be talking about diabetes on the beach please subscribe to divabetics e-newsletter at divabetic.org visit divabetics facebook page and check out my videos on mr divabetics youtube channel remember every diva including smooth and those divas has an entourage i'm so glad to be part of yours let's get i couldn't resist let's get happy and healthy stay happy and healthy together and um keep your house and home and please learn how to prevent a diabetes complication from occurring. Diabetes, uh, silence one of the greatest voices I ever knew. I don't want it to silence yours. Here's I'd Rather by Luther Vandross. I thought some time alone was what we really needed. You said the time would hurt more than it helped, but I couldn't see that. I thought it was the end. Of a beautiful story And so I left the one I love at home To be alone oh. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.